So what sketch poetic is, is bringing the unconscious behaviors, thoughts, emotions, and experiences, and bringing them to the conscious field. So just being aware, that is the healing part. The first and best victory is to conquer self. Welcome to the Conqueror Approach, a journey of self-mastery. To cultivate our mind, body, spirit, financial literacy, and allow our light to shine upon the world. Brought to you by me, your host, U.S. Navy submarine veteran and entrepreneur, Musa Mikkel. Let's conquer. Welcome to the Conquer Approach. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I have a great episode coming up, so I just want to get right into it. I have Sheila Darcy. She started off a daily practice of sketching and drawing to kind of give physical form for her, her emotions and ideas, and found those very effective and developed that into a meditative and therapeutic tool that she's shared with thousands of people, elevating their mental health transformation and aiding in their healing. She's the founder of Sketch Poetic and a author of the book Sketch by Sketch, which you could pre-order. It's not out yet, but you can pre-order that. Thank you, Sheila, for coming on The Conquer Approach today. Thank you, Musa. You're incredible. I'm really psyched about this conversation. I am also. So I, I, I got to have the privilege of actually uh, seeing the work you do uh, in Sketch Poetic. Uh, and for me, I, I never saw myself as artistic. And, and you can notice uh, a lot of self-talk when you do something like drawing and sketching. Um, but before we get into those details, I, I want to just get more of a background for you, for people who haven't heard of you yet or, or don't know what Sketch Poetic is. Uh, what was what was going on in your life at the time when that sketch poetic idea came about? Yeah, well, the first thing I want to make sure people understand is it isn't an art practice. It is an outcome, but that isn't why I did it. And my background, it was interesting. I came from the corporate space. 20 years I was in consulting, strategy. I even did the last four years prior to sketch poetic. I was an entrepreneur doing a startup. And what's really fascinating about this entire story is that I didn't know I was suffering from any mental health issues. <laughs> I just thought I was burnt out. I thought I, you know, I was a workaholic, really driven, um, and I just wanted to create impact in every every job I've ever wanted to do. And it got to a point. It was about four and a half years ago where I was hitting a wall. Not just a wall mentally, emotionally, and physically, but I, as an entrepreneur, you hit a, a threshold of how big you can take anything. And I was hitting li like literally every wall I was hitting. And at the time I, I could feel some, something stirring within, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And that was one of the things that I think a lot of people don't have uh, a dialogue around, which is the language of emotions. I not only didn't talk about it, I also didn't feel my emotions. I was a very expressive and very communicative person, but expressing your emotions versus feeling your emotions are very different. And so I don't know about you, Musa, but I had a lot of stigma around mental health. Uh, we just never talked about it in my culture. I have a Filipino culture and it wasn't just something we talked about. We pushed through everything. You know, my culture is very much about being of service to others and always being grateful. And anything other than that would be almost like you're being ungrateful. And that's the thing that I think if people understood 
that you can feel grateful and feel other emotions in, in addition to gra gratitude, I think it would allow people to really feel what they're really feeling. Um, so I finally ended up seeing a therapist because it was showing up in my fear of flying. Turbulence was my nightmare. Anytime the plane kind of lost altitude, what was happening, Musa, is that I was feeling a direct connection to my childhood trauma. And I didn't know this at the time. I just knew something was going on. And then when I finally did see a therapist, uh, she explained to me that what therapy is, was, is she, I mean, sorry, what anxiety was, it was this, uns, it was these suppressed emotion that I'd been pushing down and it was showing up as freneticism and discomfort. And I was, I was releasing it and expressing it through perfectionism, people pleasing, peacemaking, all of those things that you see people do, but I didn't know that's what I was doing. It was all unconscious. So what sketch poetic is, is bringing the unconscious behaviors, thoughts, emotions, and experiences, and bringing them to the conscious field. So just being aware, that is the healing part. That's the great thing is healing doesn't have to be this magic, divine, it, and, and it ends up feeling that way, but it isn't this huge thing. It's just being aware of it. That's really been what's been healing for me. So yeah, I started sketching daily just to let it out and purge on paper, all the things happening within. That's an awesome story. And I started seeing that too, as, as such an effective and positive outlet for emotion or any stress, depression, like those types of things. Um, but but for, for some people who don't really understand how you can get uh, your emotions out on a piece of paper without being uh, too critical of how uh, how good of an artist you are, uh, if you're not Picasso, it's like useless. But <laughs> how do you get your emotion? How do you go from the heart yeah. to the paper? That's a really great question. Uh, the very first thing I have to do is uh, really clarify that you do not have to be an artist. So every every single person is born with a creative bone, like a creative flow, and it can show up in in music, dancing, culinary arts, gardening. It's just creative expression. We're all born with it. What ends up happening is as we get older you know, society and expectations and wanting to belong, it pushes all of it down. But innately, we are creative. So first of all, you do not need to be an artist to do that. Secondly, the way I help people connect with the practice of sketch poetic is I actually have three brain hacks that I tell people. Imagine if the pen was a dancer and the paper was a dance floor. And I asked you to express sadness, right? Would you, and would you express sadness in a like high energy or would you express sadness in a slow, you know, expression? So it's the idea of thinking of your pen as gliding on the paper as if it was your expression of emotion. Another hack that I, I, I think about to help people connect with the non-art part of this is think of it as the baton, you know, the guy that's in the orchestra there or the woman that's conducting the, the music. Same thing. If you had to express joy. Would the baton be going really fast or would it be going fluid? And again, imagine doing that on paper. And the third hack is for more of the intellects, the thinkers. I, I say, think of your pen as that tool an archaeologist uses to dig for fossils, right? So you're just scratching the paper, looking for something underneath, like a true metaphor. When I connect it in those three different pathways, Musa, I think people get, oh, what it is, is all you're doing is allowing your, first of all, being connected to your body, as we've talked about when we did the men's group, 30% of the practice is being connected to your body. And I'm talking about breathing, being aware of where we hold our stresses because stress is an emotional container as well, not just a physical one. And then just being mindful and 
intentional about taking it out of your body and purging it on paper. That's what the practice is about. So it's, as you can see, there's really no uh, criteria to be a good artist. You don't need to know how to draw an apple. You know, you don't need to know how to draw a face because emotions don't have, a, a, they don't have a, uh, what do you call it? A texture. It's just, it is what it is. It's whatever you feel it to be, right? So it's a feeling. And so I think the reason it feels so good is that it's a safe space for us to confront emotions we're not comfortable with, right? The, those shadowed, mm -hmm. dark, darker sides of ourselves. But when you're doing it in the act of play, it kind of balances out, right? you got these heavy feelings, but you're playing. So it feels counterintuitive, but that's kind of the healing part of it is that you're getting to play with things that you don't normally feel comfortable playing in. Does that, mm -hmm. does that answer the question? That does. That does. And that also gives you an opportunity because I feel like not, not everyone's out here just drawing things, you know, setting down a certain time of the day or, or at least once a day to sit there and draw uh, and be connected in that way. And then you can really take note of what thoughts are coming up. Cause like, I remember when I was doing it, I was, I have, I struggled with the perfectionism thing also. And it's just like, well, that doesn't look right. Like that doesn't look good. Like I'm, I'm not doing it right. But that's, I think that's part of the whole healing process is understanding that thought that there is no right especially when yeah. it comes to this type of sketching you're not trying well, to you, you're touching right? on a huge part of this so here's the thing you're talking about the critic and the judge which exists even if you were an artist or non-artist and i love that you're bringing this up part of the discomfort is not getting attached to the outcome which is what it looks like mm. so even if you were an artist or not an artist all of us have this mentality of like, oh, I wonder what it's gonna look like. Or is somebody gonna look at this and, and be like, oh my God, this is ugly. And you have these critics. So the critic isn't just a self-critic, it's the audience we have in mind. And that audience could be the art teacher that criticized you as a kid, could be your parents, it could be a schoolmate. We don't realize how many critics we, we carry with us, but we sometimes embody those critics as our own. Um, and the second thing you said that was really critical is if you can get lost in the process. And so doodling is a very common understanding. Everyone understands the word doodling. The reason I think this is slightly an evolution of doodling is doodling by the definition of it is mindless. It's almost like something you do when you're in a meeting, you're on a phone call. It's purposefully allows you to focus and kind of, you know, get that meditative state. But sketch poetic isn't meant to be mindless. It's meant to be mindful, which is what you said. You're going to have thoughts. Your monkey brain's going to go. And it's not asking you to quiet that. That's what I love about it. And there's a book that I believe in your men's group that you guys were encouraged to read called Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. Michael Singer talks all about this. The part that's really, I feel, transformative is if you can stand above what I call the mind-body-spirit connection in the practice, right? So your mind is going with thoughts and memories. Your body's engaging because it's an embodied practice through the actual, actual act of sketching. And your spirit's being engaged because of the meditative, you know, the flow state and, you know, all of that connection. But if you can rise above it, which is your soul, and just watch the dialogue happening between the paper, the pen, your thoughts that's where the healing is because then you can look at it and you just watch it pass like a river, like a current. And there is no judgment. You're just like, Oh, that's interesting. And that's actually what I say to myself a lot. Like that's interesting. That came up versus, Oh my God, that's so scary that that came up. Right. And so I would have lots of memories that I probably had suppressed for decades coming up 
but it didn't terrify me because I knew it was just a thought passing. And just that idea of things passing is really comforting because if you've ever experienced trauma, you tend to hold one, the moment that feeling hits you, you hold on and you hold on for dear life because you are so afraid of what's going to happen. And this practice gets you to a place where you can let go and know that this too shall pass and getting used to that feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go back to what you said, because it, it, it just so perfect because not being attached to the outcome yeah. and with, with this practice, you'd notice if, if you haven't practiced not being attached to an outcome, you're going to notice you're attached <laughs> to the outcome, I feel like. And it's, it's, it's such a powerful way because once you practice and it, it just gets you, you understand it more. Yeah. And then I, I started noticing in the guys who were drawing, they were they were sketching uh, and I'm sure you see this all the time and they're not, they don't even know what they drew. No. <laughs> they look at it. They're just like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. Like, what does this mean? And then yeah. you you help them try to f- see like what they're, what they're feeling and where it's coming from. And that, which, which I thought was like really crazy. Um, but that, I think that's the whole essence of it is not, they weren't attached to what they were drawing. They're like, Oh, that doesn't look like anything. Let me design something that makes sense because it's emotion and, it's such a crazy way to, to look at it, I think. And that practice bleeds into everywhere else in life. Cause if you're not attached to the outcome with drawing a, a, a doodle, right. Yeah. <laughs> How you will be more equipped to deal with stressors that come in. Like, like you said, let it flow by. Yeah. Let it just pass. Uh, and Bingo. you hit it, you hit the nail on the head, Musa. I mean, that is the key. Like I always tell people, the what's on paper is a metaphor for life. There's nothing happening on the page. And I truly have yet to see an example of this as being untrue. There's nothing happening on paper that isn't happening in your life. And I'll just give you a few examples. If you are being a perfectionist and critical with your, with your sketching, you're probably doing that in life. If you're, if you're sketching in the corner of the page and having all the space around you and you're hiding in the corner, there's probably a time, a place or a situation in your life where you're in the corner. If your page is full and it's bleeding from the borders, there's probably a place or situation in your life where it's so you can't contain it. There's just so much. So everything that's happening on paper is showing up in your life. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just connecting you with the, this remember in the beginning of this conversation, the healing is not this huge, like I said, magic divine thing. It's when you can bring the things that you are doing subconsciously and unconscious to the conscious mind, that's where the healing lies because then you become aware of it. So what happens is when I'm connecting people to what they're sketching on paper, being more than just a mark on the page, but actually a representation of something subconsciously and unconsciously happening, they figure it out. This is the beauty of it. That's why I'm so passionate about it. I describe this as a tool. It's a creative expression tool. I don't do anything other than give you the tool. You do all the work. You're doing the unlocking, you're doing the transformation, which is why I love the the podcast that you do, because it's all about mindset. You're the one that unlocks yourself. That's why I don't feel comfortable when somebody says you're a healer or you're this and that. I'm like, no, I'm not doing the work. This is a tool that I was gifted. I found my way through it. And I've just been just compelled to be of service to others through it. And so I wrote this book so that I could help others find their way. That was really the, the reason I wrote the book in the first place. And that's a, that's a true gift. And I kind of want to go to your, your experience when you were starting out in this and what kind of things did you discover about yourself that helped you 
really get by those difficult times? Wow. Oh, so many things. It got to a point where it became so prolific. Like it got to a point where, and you know, I, I don't know much about the, the your story outside of what we, you and I have shared, but what there's something magical that happens when you start to dig into the, I'd call it the, the dirt of your life. You know, you're digging and you're looking for the, the, those stories that you've been pushing down. And what ended up happening for me is one simple thing. I hated stillness. I hated silence and hates a strong word, but I had a very difficult time being still. The reason I think I was successful is I could, I could, I did a lot. I was a very much a very productive person uh, and productive being like, I just got a lot done. But what I didn't realize is that productivity was my way of avoiding a lot of stuff because I could never quiet my mind enough to actually be still. So the very first thing sketching did for me is not only did I find a peace place of stillness, but when I became physically still in the act of it through my breath, through the you know intention of the marks I made on paper, my mind started to find moments of stillness. And I realized that silence, my relationship with silence was such a deep connection to trauma in my childhood. So I had an alcoholic father, and his volatility, I never knew when he was going to become violent. And so whenever I could hear that noise, that's what it reminded me of, lots of noise. It made me feel like it's almost like that weird um, kind of unhealthy relationship you have with toxic things. Like noise was comforting in some ways because that's what I grew up with. Like I never knew when things were going to explode. And then when it was still, I didn't know if it was safe because there was that moment of stillness after the violence occurred that I just wasn't sure. I mean, I hate to say it, dead. And, or I didn't know if my mother would be dead or alive. Like that, that, that type of connection to silence. And when I understood that, oh my God, my, my fear of silence or discomfort around silence had to do with something so much deeper than what I understood it to be, it unlocked a whole nother level of understanding of myself. So I sketched through that feeling. Like, what is it about silence? And that's when all of these memories started to come. I started to remember... I, I remember being so in tune with my father's voice, like that moment of jealousy I could hear in his voice that, oh, this is not going to be a good day, right? And so that's why I'm so attuned to all my senses through sketching, because the things that I did to help survive, right, my childhood or survive any sort of challenging times in my life, I now use for positive in my sketching. So the very things I used to survive, I now use to thrive, right? Just being aware mm -hmm. of sounds and breath and and so it's just been really, it's just been, honestly, it's been mind-blowing and awe-inspiring to witness, to be witness, witnessing it for myself and being able to rise above it and watch my unfolding and seeing and it in others as well. Absolutely. You're, you're a living example of what it is. I like the term you use, digging for dirt. Because <laughs> if you never did that, though, if you never took the time to reflect through art sketching and just... And, and, and digging for those things, those things would have been buried in your subconscious mind and controlled yeah. your life until now, if it was well, never were. dealt with. Yeah. They were already controlled. And this is the myth nobody talks. Well, I keep been saying nobody. I just never heard it. That's why I feel like nobody talks about it because I thought, how come I never heard about this stuff? Like, how did I not know art could be a tool for healing? How did I not know anxiety shows up this way? It's because it wasn't in my purview. All I cared about was business you know, profitability, brand building, social media presence, like that's the world I lived in for so long. 
I didn't hear about this kind of stuff. So that's the reason why it's great for you and I to have these types of conversations because we do sit in the business world. We still make an impact in that world, but we're bridging these important conversations that show up in the business world. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, and this is the myth that I was talking about earlier. I didn't know that all of this was already inside of me. I think the fear that a lot of people have when they confront their shadow side, their darkness, their past traumas, is they are afraid of opening up this box, right? We talked about the Pandora's box in the men's group. The thing that they don't realize is it's already inside of them and it's showing up, but it's so unconscious that it's showing up in a completely side. I forget who said it, but what goes up, what you don't feel goes out sideways, you know, your behaviors. And for me, it was freneticism, lack of awareness, uh, lots of things. Perfectionism was, I was such a control freak. I never surrendered to anything. I had to be in control of everything. And, and I gave myself credit for everything. That's the flip side to it. The sketch poetic has been a complete journey of surrender. I, I can honestly tell you now, I don't know where sketch poetic is going. And I feel completely fine with that because I trust that it's going into the right place. I don't give myself credit for it. I still work hard, but I just don't know where I'm going. I just know I'm walking the path. So I found my purpose through it. That's incredible. And and I, I just love your story because it's you 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 grew so much from something that somebody would look at as like a hobby or a time waster, but you found purpose through seeing how you were feeling in your emotions on paper. And, and as I think that's such a powerful thing is you you literally give your emotions a picture in a yes, sense. I give it permission to be see it. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite lines. I say, I give it permission to be seen. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you think art galleries, right? In mm -hmm. museums. How do you feel when you're in a museum? You feel it, don't you? Like when you look at art, here's the thing. You don't have to be an art historian. When you walk in front of a piece of art, you feel moved. That's the same thing, being a participant of it and being the creator of it there is a beautiful energy happening between both. So I don't even think the healing is just about the creating of it. You're putting this thing out into the world. And by definition, you're changing the world. Mm -hmm. And and I just want to remind people, it's not about being an artist. Because yeah. if you're drawing your dark side <laughs> or the things <laughs> you've buried in your subconscious your whole life, it's probably not even going to be pretty anyway. <laughs> so it's accepting that surrendering to that and just trying to understand like where how is that uh, a metaphor for my life yeah and i think for me I, I remember doing it and it was like i i was at the very top of the page yes when I you drew my are. entire mm -hmm. sketch and then i remember you asked like well who drew their sketch like on one side or in a corner or on the, like at the edge of the page and you know how is that a metaphor for your life and i was just like wow that's really interesting because it was completely unconscious for me like i did not even think about where i was drawing on my sheet uh, and that is just a, a simple and in that short time you can reveal so much about how you're being the rest of your time yeah yeah but there's something really powerful about what you just said about you didn't know right so we don't know what we don't know so it takes someone to connect the dot of just saying, did you know that when you make marks on a page that you think it's haphazard, but it actually isn't, there's an unconscious thing happening. Did you know that if you actually took a moment to pause after you sketched 
and actually reflected on the placement, uh, the movement of it, the resonance of it, that perhaps there's a meaning behind it. And not every sketch is going to be like that. Let's just be real. Some sketches are truly just doodles. And by the way, that is healing because meditation is healing. And for me, I, I had a hard time with meditation. My mind was just too, it, it's like asking somebody that's driving 200 miles an hour to go to zero. I needed baby steps to get there. And now I can meditate because now I found my understanding of my relationship with stillness, right? So I feel like creative expression, and by the way, I'm very purposeful about that word instead of art, because I believe there's going to be a huge movement. It's already happening. My book is one of those books. There will be other tools out there, intuitive, intuitive dancing, improv, spoken word. All of those movements are going to become more and more um, elevated in the, in the society. And I'm just going to be one of many people showing up, telling you that you can do this to help heal. Um, but going back to what we were just saying is that the understanding and the moment to just reflect. So contemplation, you know, back in back in the Renaissance days, Socratic dialogue was was popular. It's the idea of just having a discussion, not seeking an answer, but asking more questions. Like how profound of a thought that is, right? Why do we need to feel like we have to have an answer to everything? And as someone that always had an answer to everything, <laughs> that was such a big part of my healing as well. I felt like I had to have an answer for everything. And so what Sketch Poetic has done for me is every day I sketch on a page, to your point, I have no idea what's going to come out and I have no attachment to the outcome. I'm just curious constantly about what's happening. And the curiosity brings questions, brings thoughts and takes me on this beautiful journey. And I do it every day. And so, yeah, how could you not evolve from that? How could you not transform if you sit in that space of curiosity? Mm -hmm. And then that, that just shows, cause even sketch poetic, you don't know the exact outcome, right? Never, you, even, you mentioned it earlier, you, you're, you don't know exactly where it's going, but you know, it, yeah. you're heading in the right direction. You're reaching more people uh, and you're just helping more people. And, and this is why I was so excited to have you because mental health is a big issue and it's been a big issue for people I known in the military and, and veterans in general, or just everyone <laughs> has yeah. mental health issues in this culture, I feel. Uh, to a certain extent, if they don't practice any type of meditation or some type of creative expression. Yeah. That we're all moment yeah. of stillness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're all capable of it. And that's another thing that I realized recently in the past couple of years that I was, ac I'm actually creative. And then you think <laughs> about it, <laughs> you think about it and you see every human as a child, and they have uh, no limitation on their expression, right? They yeah. can grab a broom and that's a horse, yeah. right? They, get, they have no limit. And that's, that's really, I feel, the essence of being a human until we bury it in the pain. No, bravo. Box. Bravo. I, I say bravo because you brought up a really important part of the conversation, which is imagination. I think if, if people still get stuck on the art part, right? Because they see like, even my book sketch by sketch, I can imagine somebody picking up that book and going, I'm not a drawer or a sketcher. So I can't, if they can move beyond that and realize this isn't about art, which they'd have to invest in it themselves. If they can move beyond that and realize it's a way to tap into your imagination. And by the way, your imagination is available to us at all times, right? We can tap into it at any given time. I don't care if you're an engineer a robotics, you know, ask, you know, anybody that's a thinker, 
that constantly, you're always imagining possibilities. We're imagining possibilities every day for ourselves. If we just don't, again, not conscious and intentional about it. That's what's really cool about this entire thing. Like I seriously, I don't think I'm any different than I was in terms of my imagination isn't any more or less imaginative. It's just now I'm tapping into it with intention and I'm mining it like gold, like, holy crap, there's so much coolness in there that I hadn't even thought to, to pull from, but I'm also pulling with the intention of facing really, really dark stuff, right? I mean, trauma is not, not for the weary. And like you said, there's, I just watched a documentary last night by Petram Shojai called the, you know, that's a, it's a nine part series on trauma and they call big T and little T. You know, the big T traumas are the ones that most people talk about, which is those like really horrific stuff. But there's that little T trauma that you get in childhood when you weren't, your parents didn't spend time with you. Some child, you know, a friend rejected you. We don't realize those types of little T traumas can be, you know, building upon itself. And remember the story I told you about the turbulence in the plane. What I didn't realize till later after I did research on what was happening to me, because I didn't know what was going on. I just knew something was big, something big was shifting in, is that every time I felt the fear on the plane and that feeling of being out of control, I was feeling every single time I felt that in my life. So that's one of the things I wanted to share with your, with your audience is we have this really understand, we have this clear understanding that memories have emotions attached to it, right? So the first time you had ice cream, the joy you felt, the first time you went to Disneyland, your thing is the opposite holds true. When you feel an emotion, so let's say it's despair, or let's use, use abandonment. Let's say you feel abandoned in a relationship. Every time you felt abandoned in your life, you're actually feeling that memory. So emotions have memories attached to it. And it's the other way around. So that's what's really interesting is every time that I felt turbulence in the plane, I was feeling every time I felt turbulence in my life. And that's what people don't understand. And that's why it is so hard if you don't allow yourself to process it because it builds upon itself to get, and it gets to a point where it's so big, you can't ignore it anymore. And that's why people get addiction problems. That's why some people get anger management issues, if you're just containing it. And you're, you're, you do a fine job for a while, but eventually we're in a human body. It can only take so much and people get ill. And I was getting ill. I was really physically not good. Like I was not in the best shape at all. You know, I was starting to get acid reflux. My neck was always like my lower back was always in pain. It was showing up, but I didn't know. So that's yeah. what's really that's a really powerful point because I, I truly believe when these things aren't being expressed, they will show up in your body, your physical yeah. body, not only just your life, like disease, yeah. um, because we're 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 can we're keeping that stress in. And yeah. scientifically, this is proven already. You stress yeah. shuts down your immune system. So that yeah. just opens the gateway for disease in your, your life. And I noticed it too. And when I was, was not expressing myself when I was in the, the military, my health was declining the last couple of years of my service. Yeah. And I was noticing, and I was noticing with pretty much everybody I served with. Yeah. Like people just smoke just to smoke people just yeah. you know 10 red bulls a day like i yeah. see crazy things <laughs> I to push through it i mean listen i have to tell you thank you for your service i i i have had worked with a lot of vets recently on this and creative expression has been a huge tool for vets because of what you just said i, I think it's part the culture 
of you know they're they're in the word that's under underscoring our conversation which we haven't talked about is safety it truly is in terms of mental health and this is what i've heard from other veterans veterans so i'd love to hear your perspective on this it's not like you you know it's not like you can just talk about your mental health it actually is your livelihood if you talked about your mental health in your line of work you may not have a future because you know, you, they would actually assess you differently than just having a conversation about mental health. So you're almost kind of like punished in some ways if you are vulnerable about your mental health. So there's that aspect of it. And then of course, there's the, the, the survival mode of you cannot show vulnerability because that is truly a threat, right? So there's so many reasons why veterans struggle with mental health because there's so many obstacles to being courageous in the act of being open about it. I feel like the walls are starting to come down, thank goodness. But I do think that you guys have a lot of obstacles to overcome to let that part of you show. Would you agree? Mm. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I, I would agree. And and for, for my experiences on the submarine, it was a stigmatized. And I'm sure every part of the military is mm -hmm. stigmatized because we have so much work to do. There's a very small crew that has a lot to work. So if, if you leave to go to talk about your mental health. Yeah. You're probably going to get teased or yes. you might, you might, there might be other repercussions, but it's just, there, there's a negative stigma. It's not yeah. freely encouraged. They say it is, but it's not. Yeah. Right. That actions speak louder, of course. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, that's where it comes to. And, and even if it was, if you were in a state that was really bad mentally and you, and they, they really believe that they will take you off or remove you from that command. Yeah. Right. So that, that's a big shot to whatever team or command battalion, whatever part or group you're with, because they lose a person. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think we have to think bigger than that. It's yeah. not about, you know, we can, we can fill that spot, but that's, that's losing that person uh, preventatively is much better than losing that person through suicide because they feel yeah. there's no, expression or there's no way out of where they're at and well, i've seen it happen a lot no i appreciate you sharing that um my hope for the future musa is that right now mental health is becoming the rage to talk about because of the pandemic i think it's become a forefront of our dialogue which is great however it's still a bolt-on to health right now you hear physical health then you hear about all these really cool uh, spiritual health even meditation mental health is suddenly this new thing that it seems like it's a bolt-on but it's not if you think of health as holistic which mental health ties into emotions it ties into our spirit um for me it was a crisis of faith too let's talk about the spiritual part of this the reason it was a spiritual awakening for me in particular is i didn't really have a faith that I was really holding on to. I, like I said, I gave myself all the credit, you know, I did all the work and I gave myself all the credit. Now I don't, I actually do believe in a higher power and I do believe there's something greater than myself, but I had to believe in it. It wasn't just talk, right? I was raised Catholic. It's not like I didn't believe in God, but there's a difference between believing in something and having faith in it. And so I've really strengthened my faith through having a crisis of trauma as a backdrop to it. But I want to just share that my hope for, for you and for, you know, I, I, I've been working with Compassion Prison Project with incarcerated men. Um, when you look at situations where truly people are imprisoned physically, and then you look outside in the world and people are imprisoned mentally in their home, in their life, 
and they're not even in they're not in physical walls but they're imprisoned in here the moment our society can look at health holistically and mental health isn't this thing on the side that we should explore that it's part of our it's part of our education system it's part of a healthcare system that's when we've figured it out we're not there yet but it's going to be people like you and me talking about it it's going to be people like you and me that are going to put it out in the forefront to say no mental health isn't a self-care practice it is a fundamental health issue if we don't take care of it and it is all part of one system of health like we're it's all it's all connected but right now we're still in the very early stages of this mental health discussion as a bolt-on and we're gonna we're gonna have to fix that because it's not a bolt-on it's an intrinsic part of who we are absolutely having a healthy mental health is is not just a good to have it's not yeah, yeah. it's a nice as I, one day you know i hope i hope so it's yeah, a I'm requirement. Gonna go to, I'm going to go to a retreat for a week and I'll be all, I'll be fine. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the mentality we have right now with mental health and self-care. I'm going to go to a spa for a day. That'll fix my two years of depression. Like how comical does that sound? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, it's not, it doesn't work that way. And my, by the way, I never will ever say I'm healed. Healing is a lifetime of work. Trauma, you you know, is just going to be one of those things that are pervasive. You will always have adverse challenges. It's just life. This is life. Mm -hmm. Life is suffering at times, um, but life is also full of joy. So I think if people can understand that this isn't, that's why I don't want to th think of my book as a self-help book, because the reality is it's a tool that you can come to at any time in your life, whether you're four to 104, because you're going to need it, right? You're going to need these tools. And maybe it's other tools, but for now, I'd love to have you try sketching to see if it works for you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I hope to see Sketch Poetic at least introduced in every school, every prison, every military base, every mental health facility, um, because they, obviously exercise is good. There's all these things you can yeah. do, but you can, you know, this could be valuable for a lot of people who may have not had success sitting down and being quiet for an hour. Like you said, yeah. you know, you can't yeah. go from a hundred miles an hour to zero, just like that. Take yeah. the steps and it takes practice. And like you said, it's a, it's a lifelong journey. And this is what this podcast is about. It's the journey to self mastery. Yep. No one ever mastered anything, but the more you practice these things, the better you get. And then you get better at dealing with it versus life being easy Life yeah. doesn't ever become easy. You just become extraordinarily skilled at dealing with it or surrendering to the things that you don't want to hold on to that doesn't serve you. Um, that was my tangent, but I want to say thank you. Um, but before we wrap this up, uh, could you tell us where people can reach you at? Uh, that's the most effective way to contact you. The best way is through my Instagram, Sketch Poetic. And the second way, and this isn't just a plug, but it truly is my life's purpose to bring this to the world is my book, Sketch by Sketch. It's the creative path to emotional uh, healing and transformation. I fundamentally believe it is my heart poured onto the page because what had ended up happening, Musa, is I can't scale, meaning I can't meet with every single person I want to meet. It's just not feasibly, feasibly possible with time. And so I, I, I was really looking for an avenue to reach people in a way that allowed me to reach millions of people. And the book is what came to be. It actually came to me and, and I saw it as a, as a serendipitous divine message. So I, I wrote the book, but I truly put my heart and soul into it. So my hope is as you're reading the book, I'm sitting next to you 
and helping you guide you and, and making you reassuring you that all of it's going to be okay and that you feel safe. That's really my ultimate goal of the book. So my hope is that you reach me through social media channels, but my, that I, you connect with me in particular through the book, because that's really my hope and that you find your way home. I truly believe the greatest gift we can give is our self. And I believe you did that here on this podcast. Thank you for giving us uh, the gift of you and giving your gift in that book on everything else you do. I'll link everything into the show notes so people can easily reach you. Um, but thank you for everything you do. And I, I'm really inspired by all the work because I know it's just going to be limitless on what, can you, what you can create uh, when you look at life this way. Thank you. Can I just take a moment to mm -hmm. recognize you too, though? Um, I, I know when you do podcasts, you're always giving the spotlight to your guests. Uh, but I've been observing you and watching you and engaging with you on the sketch poetic practice. And you are an incredible source of light. I am always inspired by your posts. They're always not only illuminating. I find that you really give me a, some thoughts to ponder. But just the way you show up is so incredibly light-filled and authentic. And I just want to say that because given your background and all the things you've gone through, you are the embodiment of what I think is happening in the world. Like we take our pain, we take our hardships, and we're giving back to society through this podcast, through all of the different channels. So I want to say thank you for what you do and for having me as your guest. I truly am honored, but I just want to reflect all that love back to you too, <laughs> because you deserve it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. that means a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, and likewise, it's been a true honor for me to have you. Thank you. That is all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you found any value in this episode, someone you know will also. Please share, subscribe, leave a rating and review so we can reach more people, have a farther ripple and a larger impact. Stay grateful. I appreciate you, and remember, you are a conqueror.